With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today is a two-part show. First part is going to be Matt Penny, and the second part is going to be Adam Spinella. We're going to talk about some Celtic stuff. We're going to talk uh, a bit about Gigi Jackson in the back half and just kind of go through a few different things. Uh, but first, Matt Penny is here. What's yes. going on, Penny? Uh, a lot's going on. A lot's going on. We're finished our July evaluation period on the road here, but have two more events, an all-star game at a camp in the next two weeks, and uh, a couple other things that are that are brewing here. Couple other things indeed. So for listeners of the show, I think that the people who follow you on social media may have seen uh, you leave your shoes on the court mm. uh, at your last grassroots event. And I think it that is. has made some people wonder some things. Uh, this is actually going to be your last show here as well. So I'm going to let you explain why that is. I'm becoming the general manager of the Perth Wildcats, and I'm moving to Australia immediately. God damn it. What a dream. What a dream. <laughs> Laura and I would no. love to live in Perth. Oh, I know. Fantastic. I know. I know. Uh, no, all, all seriousness, though. Uh, Danny Mills he, is Danny Mills is going to be upset if you just took his job. He's easily like, scrolling his phone like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> I am taking a job. I'm taking a position at an agency, and I'm not representing players. But based on my work that I'll be doing, I felt personally it would be too much of a conflict of interest to be working there and knowing what guys are there, knowing who they're recruiting. I don't feel I could do justice either way by coming on the yeah. show and, and not really give my all my, my full uh, analysis of what it may be. I, I didn't want to be swayed one way or another. Uh, this is all kind of, and Sam knows this. I mean, we've we've talked yeah. about this through the process. We've been talking I, about this I, for literally months. Oh wow! I, I didn't call him last week and say, "Hey, this yeah. is uh, this is the deal." This has been brewing for a little bit here. Unbelievable opportunity! I'm really really excited. Obviously, bittersweet. In I'm leaving grassroots. I'm leaving the gym. I get to yell with people at refs instead of breaking up said fights with refs. That's right. And uh, I, I don't get to pod. And I don't get to come in here and tap in once a week. Yeah. And, talk our our brand of nonsense on game theory and that hurts it does because i've it's been an unreal three-year run it's all kind of well, like it was, it was funny so like originally for people like mm -hmm. to take behind the curtain a little bit we were trying to figure out like yeah like you know we think you can do this job and like podcasts and right. we think that like you know we can make this work definitely and like we talked to matt's employers and uh, for what it's worth like matt's employers like even seemed like open to the idea in a way that uh maybe you know maybe maybe they <laughs> maybe they had reasons they could have not been open to it like there was plenty of uh there's plenty of reason where they could have totally shut it down and they were not open to it but then the first uh weekend that matt was kind of out and i don't think it's still totally public yet but it's public enough um you just knew that it was way yeah, too I knew. 
it, it, it would be too much. And started no telling yeah. telling select people, and once it started building up, I said, "Yeah, this is not. I'm not going to be able to give myself fully to that new position, new spot, while still right. doing this. I'm still going to watch games. I'm still going to have my notebook of, of players and could jump in. One critical part of your yeah. job is still <laughs> yeah. watching games. <laughs> it is. It is different games, but still watching games. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of like uh, it's not a divorce, but I feel like we're the parents telling our kids are breaking up. Like, we love you guys oh. very much. Mom and dad aren't going to live together as much. We'll get together a little bit. So we'll text here and there. No, I was well, and dra- it's so funny <laughs> that, that you put it that way, too, because your new employer, you were out with your new employer yeah. and they like kind of saw how people treated you on the grassroots circuit. And they were like, oh, my God, you're leaving. And your new employer just like deadpanned. He's not dying. Yeah, You're still, still... going to be able to talk to him. Like... <laughs> I am still alive. My phone still works. I mean, Sam and I still yeah. talk every day. And uh, yeah. it was funny today because as I was driving, running some errands and stuff, uh, I knew we had this podcast. And on the radio comes, uh, I'll be missing you by Puff Daddy. I'm like, okay. Oh, first, like enough. That's Next mean. one was uh, Green Day, Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> Next one's Elton John. Don't go break my heart. I'm like, no music. Oh, I rolled out sunroof. Go for a ride. Uh, but this has been crazy, man. It has. And and for, again, peek behind the curtain, Dan Cutler, our mutual friend who connected us initially. Yeah. How this shout, We can finally shout out Cutler. Yes. Yeah, there we, we go. We, we we'll can. Shout him and out. I thought three draft cycles ago, Sam and I were taking a phone call, and he was going to pick my brain about Nico Mannion navigating pick and roll coverages. Can Precious Achua actually shoot? Does Josh Green have a motor? And turned into a, a podcast, and it kept yeah. uh, snowballing from there into where we are now. Into yeah, I just want to look back at the the draft show we did live, which was so much fun, and ten thousand oh, people great. watch, which is insane, just just absolutely ludicrous. And yeah, so, so and, also and, my, and I'll tell you, like drastically more people listened to it. Like yeah. the the numbers on that episode are like we're it's you know like fi- like fifties of like we're not not quite like a hundred but like it's it's insane the people that listen to the two part draft show like it's it, it's staggering on some and, level it's, it's like well over such yeah, a such yeah. a thing here and for me to be a, a small part of that and to contribute to it it's it's uh yeah I, I don't have words I you gave me a chance a platform opportunity when I had nothing in terms of following and people who cared what i said and followers on twitter and yeah now we're uh we're here but here same, so here's same goodbye thing. like that hey well that is very good boy message matt is very good at understating who he is matt has been one of the most trusted voices and one of the best uh grassroots event coordinators in the business for years now as if there was any chance he was not going to be good at this, right? Like there was no, there was no doubt. Like as soon as we did it the first time, I was like, yeah, this is good. Like this is going to work. This is fantastic. I think Cuts knew like that just connecting the two of us was like a no brainer. Yeah. Um, he, he's also yeah. my biggest self promoter for, for me, promoter for me. Yeah. And like most of my jobs have been through him. And after the first one, he's like, oh, Sam said really good. Do you want to do it again? I'm like, again, I thought I was going to like die when I was on the air. And, He's going to pepper me with all these questions like Jim Rome, like, well, what does he do off the court? And what, who does Anthony Edwards hang around with? It was just survival. And then start to navigate my way a little bit by year two and three, I hope. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the brand of this show. Let, let's get into Anthony Edwards' <laughs> off-court I habits. Know. I didn't know. <laughs> Again, I didn't know. I, I was like, I was so psyched up, man. I was uh, like working out the day before listening to your, like your last three podcasts and the people you had on. This was like before my first show. I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. does he go this way? Does he go right? Does he go left? Like, how much is going to press me? 
And uh, yeah, wasn't too much of a press. No, wasn't too bad. So you you told me I'd have a beer out for this. Or mm. Do you have, do you have, do you have a drink out with you? I got, do. Yeah, the mountains are blue. Yeah, we got oh, we got Corona. Oh, you hear the because, crack? That's real. Yeah. You know you know why I have the Corona? Oh, this 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 is go ahead because your family. You have family. <laughs> that's better. I thought you were saying because yeah. about to go on vacation, sit under an umbrella. Oh, well, but yeah, man. Cheer, that's cheers a good to call. that. Thank cheers you. Cheers to Matt yes, This is the beginning of the vacation run for you. Yeah. So here's the deal on where the show is going from here. So I've talked to Adam Spinella. You know, Spinella is coming in. Spins is going to be talking with me on a week to week basis about prospects. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, just an awesome human being and someone that Matt and I have both gotten to know really, really well. I think the listeners of the show have gotten to know him really, really well. The show performs when Adam is on the show. Um, Really smart guy. You know, if you've watched any of his YouTube videos, breaking down prospects, it's very clear the amount of care and effort and uh, everything that he puts into it also comes from like a real basketball background. He's still a coach in the Virginia area, like genuinely really cares about trying to improve the development of human beings, much like Matt working in the space. Um, you know, it, it's all about trying to help kids get better. And like we often bring up, you know, negative aspects of kids games and we bring up um you know maybe we can be like a little bit nitpicky on things but i I think we always try to come at it from the perspective of being uh the best way for these kids to move forward as opposed to uh you know x y and z like I, i might not have understood why the grizzlies took david roddy at 23 but you know, my mind then immediately moves toward, oh, well, okay, I can see why Zach Lyman maybe liked David Roddy. He pops in a lot of different ways in terms of shooting and being like a, you know, marginal inefficiency in terms of body body type and everything like that. And, you know, maybe there are ways that Memphis can make it work like that. That's just kind of immediately where my mind always goes on things in general and um you know going from matt who works in the space genuinely for years is um you know work to help a lot of kids really get opportunities and set up a lot of these kids to get opportunities on the under armor circuit to spins now who literally coaches and um you know you'll see in the background like he told me before the show uh like his Two most prized possessions are one of his old players gave him a it was from Lithuania and gave him a jersey of hit like a Spinella jersey that is Lithuanian, uh, like a Lithuanian mm-hmm. national team jersey. And then his entire team, he got to sign his jersey last year. So it's just hanging behind him like they're the most important things to him uh, to put on camera. So uh, mine is, you know, the movie, the third man and his are uh, <laughs> yeah, mine are know. bad throw pillars for the pottery barn. So he, he has yeah, much totally. more depth than us too. And and one of my f- favorite things with spins during the draft cycle too. And I, I would always bust his chops about this is I would literally have to wake up earlier in the morning to like get a clip out before he did. So somebody played the night before and I get up early because my son and that's been well-documented. If I'm up at six, he's already been watching film for an hour. Like that's just like yeah. the way he is. Like I got to work. I had to watch an, an hour of film first. So you go to press send on whatever. Like the the move that Chet did last night. It's like he, he already had it. Okay, good. I'll uh, I'll yep. focus on the next game. Yeah, no, he's Adam's the absolute best, and I'm I couldn't be more excited to be working with him on the show. Couldn't be more excited uh, to continue that. 
having said that, the show is going on a two-week hiatus. The reason for that, I am going to Bali for two weeks. <laughs> and I thought it was I, just like a morning period. Like you had to sit and like relax and look, shifting. I, I, do, I have to go I on vacation. To- I have to get out of here. This is when someone gets fired. They're like, I'm just going to an island. Uh, like I'll, I'll yeah, see you later. I'll figure right. out when I get back. I've been broken up with. I need to go to an island for two weeks to decompress. No, Laura and I have had a trip to Bali scheduled for months now. And like it's after this enormous sprint slash marathon of three seasons, basically, where it's just been nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. I realized that I wrote uh, 300,000 word NBA draft guides in 19 months. And I would prefer to not have to like... You know, be on after that <laughs> again. Like I, I need two weeks off. So the show is going on a quick two week hiatus. Uh, we will be back in mid August to break down basketball. Essentially, I'm sure that things will have happened by the time I get back, or maybe not. Maybe Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant uh, will <laughs> still just be on their teams. And look, if that happens, wouldn't surprise me. Are, are you packing your pod stuff? That, that's a question for you. Like this is oh, all no, the I'm world not, famous. No. This is no, like you see beat no. writers be like, hey, please don't let anything break when I'm on vacation. And then like legitimately 30 seconds later, somebody signs, somebody's traded. Look, I'm fully expecting that. Yeah. And I am absolutely not available. Uh, I am reading books. I am, you know, I'm, uh, shout out to the rewatchables. I know that Sean Fantasy uh, recommended this book on there. I'm reading West of Eden right now which is this book about Hollywood. Like I've mm. got five or six books set. One of which, by the way, is Jurassic Park, which I've never read. Oh, the original, um, the original book. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thrilled. I know that Avery Penny will be very proud of me for oh, yeah. totally. diving into his favorite world. Um, so uh, that's, yeah, that's it. Like I'm, I'm out for two weeks and then I'll be back probably like August 15th, something like that with the show. Spins will be here. We'll get a few other people. We'll start previewing the NBA season. We'll start previewing prospects. You know, before you know it, two months will have passed and the season will be upon us. So uh, it, it it catches up in a hurry. So, Penny, do you have any anything else that you want to get off your chest here before we go? Wow. This is this is it. Unplugging, putting my podcast stuff away. It was this gathering it. a little bit for of now. dust because of the summer. Yeah, for now. For now. For now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's like when, you know, uh, Ty- Tyrese was in fast and furious two and then he had to put his put away his equipment for three and four and then he got back in five right and then, like, he, then he tried to fight the rock yeah. because he did a spinoff uh yeah. so for me no just gratitude it's, it's just thanks to you it's thanks to everyone that that listens that interacts the most fun that i think collectively we, we had was sort of like the morning after the party like the day after a podcast when we get like wild comments on youtube or oh, the re- best. reviews on apple we'd send them back and forth or, or people that go so hard for the guys that they believed in from their school or or whatever reason they thought that like that player should have been ranked higher sometimes they're right sometimes they're wrong that was totally. always the the best for me the mem- yeah i mean this shit is the way. such an inexact science like it's just it's fun man like it's so fun and you try to learn as much as you can doing it and you try to get better at it and that's what it is. Like you're just trying to learn everything every day. Like I just try and figure out, like I, I look at old rankings. Like I had up my 2020 rankings, like the first draft guide I did. Um, I was like, holy shit, like these aren't good. Um, and just even in terms of the, you know, um, 
the like system that we were using that I was using, like just the uh, what mattered, what didn't matter and, and just being more consistent across the board. I, you just, you get so much better at this, the more you do it. And uh, while I am bummed that Matt is not going to be a part of that process anymore, uh, I am still incredibly grateful for the time that we had with him and incredibly grateful for the friendship uh, that as your new employer noted is not going to end because you're not dead. I'm like, not dead. I'm not. I am wearing black, <laughs> but it's not for my funeral. It's just I, I don't know. I had a black T-shirt on. I'm you not had a dead. black T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, okay. So this is it for Matt. This is last, it, last, yeah. last chance, buddy. Anything? No. Just a okay. million times. Thank you again. Opened so many doors for me, and uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to do this without you. And just uh, yeah. Thanks again. Always. All right. I love you, buddy. You. Yeah. Love you, brother. Talked about thirty seconds for now. <laughs> I'll talk to you in 30 seconds. Uh, <laughs> next up is a podcast that I've already recorded with Adam Spinella. One real quick note. I did not use producer Jacob for that part of the episode. Uh, shout out producer Jacob. Shout out producer Zach. Uh, did did not you know confer with Jacob ahead of time. Realized that on my new laptop, I did not actually connect the microphone. So my half of the conversation is just coming through my AirPods. And- <laughs> this is beautiful. This is the perfect send-off. Anything else to say? Yeah, this is perfection. I'm here for this. This is, this is great. I thought you were going to say you dumped no. back over because it didn't record. Like you were like oh, guessing no, absolutely what you said. <laughs> no, it's I can't leave like, now. Okay. How can I leave now? Look at this. The pictures are falling off the wall we're not recording right jacob's not here brady manic made a summer league team what are we doing let me make a mistake oh my we turn God. around Ugh. so it's it like look it's listenable it's not it's not ideal is what i would say in terms of uh the audio i apologize it will be better in the future it's about the same quality as the one that i recorded with fred you listened to the one did you listen to the one with fred that i did was it i didn't i listened to the, i think the caitlin yeah. cooper was the last one who she's yeah. way smarter than i am too i'm like i gotta oh, get, I gotta so get out of podcasting she's talking about twirl yeah. actions and arizona ran the same thing as the pacers i'm like i gotta sign my next contract I, I, we gotta go we gotta go now yeah. um okay penny it's good to see you uh, good to see you as I always Cheers to the best one. I will. All right. Cheers. He's family. Bye. All right. We're here now. A good friend of the program and podcast. Like I mentioned, on the first half of this episode with Matt Penny, it's Coach Spins. Adam Spinella is in the building. People in prospect evaluation, one of the smartest people working in prospect evaluation. Adam is the best, and I'm so excited that he's going to join me on this journey at least once a week. That's the plan. Adam, what's going on, man? Hey, Sam. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, really, really thrilled to be aboard with this. Uh, I don't deserve any of that praise on the intro <laughs> by, by any means here, but uh, really, really excited for this. I think if you'd ask a bunch of my high school friends and teammates. This is probably the closest to the word athletic that my name will ever <laughs> appear. So uh, really uh, thrilled to be here, though. Thank you so much for extending me the well, opportunity. Shit, you were making jokes about the fact that, like, oh, yeah, I'm just, like, way shorter than Penny. Uh, I'm, like, the shorter version of Penny. You're still the tallest person, like, in this, like, little conversation. Like, I'm, like, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, like, you, you got me beat, so you're all good there on the height side. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm taking you in the post, though, Sam. I'm more of a perimeter <laughs> spacer. So, <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some actual basketball stuff. Now that we got all the sappy shit out of the way with Matt, uh, love him. He's the best. Uh, I hope he has a great time in his new endeavors. But I wanted to talk about two things: the Celtics and Kevin Durant and Gigi Jackson going to South Carolina. Both of these things actually happened like a little while ago. But because, you know, there were so many balls up in the air with the show and because I kind of was dealing with my own, like, situation in terms of contract stuff, I wanted to, at the very least, discuss these things on the show, even if they haven't, you know, even if they aren't really in the news anymore. So the first thing is the Celtics and Kevin Durant. A report from Adrian Wojnarowski, from our own Shams Charania, The Athletic, from uh, it seems like everyone has a Celtics Kevin Durant rumor at this point. It seems pretty clear that the Celtics, on some level, uh, offered Jalen Brown within this conversation, or at the very least, were willing to discuss Jalen Brown on some level in this conversation. Uh, Derek White is a name that has come up, uh, you know, maybe a pick, something like that, in terms of an offer. Brooklyn turned it down. It's an interesting situation because Kevin Durant, I think, was like a genuine MVP candidate before he got hurt last year. They already have a guy that I think is probably going to enter MVP conversations next year in Jason Tatum. Uh, Jalen Brown also only has two years on his current contract remaining. Kevin Durant actually has four years. He's just 34 years old. uh, And you have to worry about some body breakdown. When you saw this Kevin Durant Celtics rumor what immediately went through your mind? Was this something that surprised you? Like, what, 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 what was your thought initially? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Celtics guy. Grew up in, in New England and uh, yeah. was a, a diehard Celtics fan. Write for Celtics blog now. So, you know, stay really up to date on what goes on around the team. And the initial thought for me is please don't ruin the good vibes that we have really enjoyed for the last <laughs> six months. And that's not necessarily saying that, if you trade Jalen Brown away and you bring Kevin Durant in, that everything is going to be ruined from a chemistry or a cohesion standpoint. I, I certainly understand why that's an aggressive win-now type of move that puts the Celtics over the top. You know, we talk a lot about timelines when we're dealing with roster construction in the NBA and trying to sync up having your best players be at their peak simultaneously. And if Kevin Durant were to come into Boston – He is 34 right now, as you mentioned, signed until he's 38. You can still maximize a lot of his peak for the next couple of seasons. But I think if you're Brad Stevens, if you're the Celtics, you're better for the first two or three years. And if you keep Jalen Brown, you're probably a better team in years three, four, five, or at least four and five uh, of the, the entire band together. So. I, I tend to weigh in on go and do what you can for a title, right? At, at the end of the day, being second best in the NBA doesn't really get you much. And I can understand how Brad Stevens would look at the roster, would look at the availability of a superstar like Kevin Durant and say, if it is able to get done, we absolutely are better if we make that move. Now, the other part of this that I think is important to consider is what we're living right now, which is the we offered Jalen We're not sure if it's ever going to work out. If we don't end up pulling the trigger on a Kevin Durant type of trade, what does that do to the good vibes of the group that we're just coming off of an overachieving or a a late season surge to get to the NBA finals? 
can Boston and can Jalen Brown in particular stay bought in long enough and not feel like the pressure is going to be on from an external standpoint to live up to the reputation of being better than what Kevin Durant could have given this team? Yeah, it's interesting because you mentioned the what we're living now. I mean, like, I cannot imagine Boston is the one that leaked this. Let's leave it at that, right? Like, there's just no circumstance where Boston would want it known that, like, Jalen Brown in some way, shape, or form came up in this conversation, which makes you wonder, first and foremost, where the leak came from, whose representation, what team, you know, what was it just something that, you know, other teams in the league, you know, found out at summer league. Also, the timing of this seems somewhat questionable to me. Like, when did this happen? Like, I would imagine it didn't happen early this week. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine it was a few weeks ago uh, when the initial Kevin Durant uh, hullabaloo, for a ridiculous word, uh, happened. So, I- I'm... where I'm at on this is if I was Boston, yes, I would be willing to trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. Jalen Brown has two years left on his contract. There's not really a world where he can entertain extending this contract based on the current rules of this collective bargaining agreement, because at his current rate, he can only take a 125% increase which, if I remember correctly, on the last year of his salary, gets him into like the $35, $36 million range uh, as a first-year start of an extension. If he waits until free agency, I believe he can get into like $44 million range uh, for the first year of his new contract. So there's just no way Jalen Brown can consider an extension at this point. So that means Boston is going to have to play the unrestricted free agency game with Jalen Brown. And... This isn't to say that Jalen Brown's unhappy in Boston. Uh, everything seems like it's great in Boston, right? Every Everyone in Boston seems great. Like Adam said, the vibes seem fantastic. And Jalen Brown, you know, particularly played exceptionally well in the finals. I thought he was their best player in the finals. And he's coming off of a playoff series where he – or a playoff run where I think he averaged like 23-7-3 while shooting 47% from the field, 37% from three, 75% from the line – obviously played really high level defense. Like these guys are fucking hard to find. Yep. Jalen Brown is really hard to find, Yeah, but you just don't know what's going to happen in two years. You don't, right? You, you never know what could change. You never know because you're going to play this unrestricted free agency game. I believe that Atlanta, like particularly could have quite a bit of money coming off the books with Bogdan Bogdanovich's deal coming up. Um, there's another one uh, that comes up off of their books and they could have max cap space that summer. Jalen Brown is from Atlanta. Like there are just so many different balls in the air. If you're the Celtics at this point where I I don't think you can have full certainty that Jalen Brown is on your team in year three of that deal, essentially in year three of what would be Kevin Durant's year three. Um, Having said that, I think that this window for Boston is wide open right now. And I think that it could be shorter than what people recognize. And the reason for that is Al Horford played a critical role in this team. Al Horford is not getting younger. Robert Williams continues to play a critical role for this team. Robert Williams has a history of concerning knee questions and how much – 
he can play, how much, you know, how long he's going to be able to play, how many minutes he's going to play, can be able to play every season. There are just some questions there, right? Derek White is a little bit older than what people think, although Derek White would probably move in this deal. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, who is a big acquisition for them here, has a concerning history of injuries. So really, you're talking about like Jason Tatum as your key centerpiece that you should feel confident in. Marcus Smart, certainly you should feel confident in. Marcus isn't getting younger, but Marcus is, I think, like 27 years old. Like he's well in his prime, right? Maybe maybe 28. Yes, um, yeah. I, I just... If things could go wrong in a hurry for Boston, say that Jalen Brown would decide to move somewhere else, which there's no indication of that right now, but you never know what's going to happen within two years. I just want to be very clear. There's no indication that Jalen Brown is unhappy. I don't know what his current feeling is right now, but don't that uncertainty no certainly exists. Al Horford is probably going to be retired. Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, or injury risks. This could go off the rails realistically a little bit more quickly than what people think when they look at this roster. And because of that, if I was Boston, I would be trying more to maximize this window where if I get Kevin Durant, I am the best team in the league. I firmly believe that Boston is the best team in the league if they go and get Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown. It has nothing to do with Jalen Brown not being great. It has to do with Kevin Durant being one of the 10 best players of all time. It's not a slight to Jalen Brown that Durant, uh, that you're being mentioned in a Kevin Durant trade conversation. It's a credit to Jalen Brown being as incredible as he is that Boston probably would not have to add an insane amount to get Kevin Durant, potentially. It's purely... Kevin Durant is a top 10 player of all time. When he's on the court, he is still in his prime. And you, if I'm Boston, I think I have to fucking go for this right now. And I, I certainly get that perspective. And, and I think that it's, it's part of the reason why I struggle with trying to come up with a su- suggestion of what the Celtics should do. You know, I'm, I'm all for continuity. I, I believe that there's something noble about having the Celtics and the Warriors in the NBA finals as two I love teams. it that built their teams internally and, and through the draft and, and through continuity. Um, but on the same token, I think what gives me a little more comfort in the future for the Celtics is that Brad Stevens has a, a cachet of future first round picks that he can deal out in these situations to acquire more veterans, to plug some of the holes around the roster, to, to keep mm-hmm. the window title contention open just by succeeding at the margins and I think that he's shown over the last two years, or, or I guess really, what, 14 months since he's slid over into the president of basketball operations chair, that he's willing to trade those first round picks and get decent return and value for them. You know, one of them yeah. can, went with Kemba Walker to get Al Horford. The other one uh, ended up, you know, going out and, and helping us get Malcolm Brogdon by being that 2023 yeah. pick. So the fact that they don't owe anything else. I think there's a future swap with San Antonio in like 27 or 28 yeah. many years down the line, but they don't actually owe out any real first round picks. And because of that, I think that they're going to be able to you know, still have a, a really strong seven or eight man rotation that as long as you have Tatum and Brown 
some health of Marcus Smart and Robert Williams as really key defenders for the way that they want to play, they're still going to find ways to get win now type of pieces. And and I think that Brad Stevens is really smart of almost punting the draft with first round picks and saying, you know, if, if our goal is to win a title in the next three to five years, let's get as many veterans that are a little bit more proven sign our end of bench guys to that extra year contract, that second year non-guaranteed so we can use them like they did with Fitz and and with everybody else. And and yes, I'm going to miss Malik Fitz celebrations at the end of the Celtics bench as much as anybody else, but it's smart business to sign those guys to an extra year of a, you know, partial or non-guaranteed contract, bundle them in a trade with a pick in the summer, just like they did for Brogdon and have that be a continual, uh, you know, source of of really making sure that the roster stays stays stacked. So, to me, it comes down to whether you believe that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are good enough one and two punch to win an NBA title. I yeah. certainly think that they are, which is yeah. why I don't yeah. think there is a bad situation for the Celtics to to come through here. The only possible negative would be dangling out the trade and having it you know leak public the way that it did now. And if that rubs Jalen the wrong way to the point where in summer of 24, he ends up moving on. Now they are caught holding the bag. Yeah. Um, one thing on Boston's just like roster construction and it's the smallest thing in the world. Um, if I was them, I think that they should have bought at least one second round pick, maybe a second one. I would imagine they probably knew they were getting Malcolm Brogdon at that point or at least they had like a good indication that they were getting Malcolm Brogdon and they were going to move out all of these end of the roster guys. Right. And that they were going to have, I think they have like three open roster spots right now, something like that. They have quite a few. Um, Maybe you keep one of those open, but Boston teams looking to sell picks in this draft. There were, why would you not go and get like pick 45 and take Kendall Brown or something like that? Right. And use him. These last three roster spots, given how set Boston's rotation is right now, these are purely developmental spots. Yep. Right. Like there's no reason to not use these in order to try and take just wild card swings on guys like maybe Kendall Brown, guys like, you know, I think Josh Minot actually went 45th. Right. Like, why not take a flyer on? Yeah, you know, just like X, Y, and Z, like I'm trying to think of any other guy, but there were a number of guys in this draft class, like J.D. Davison, who they actually ended up picking, where they could have given end-of-roster spots, guaranteed deal. Maybe there's only like a 20% chance it works out. You do two of those, and you have a 40% chance of maybe finding a rotation player, which is pretty high. Like that, that's once you get to two of those, that's pretty valuable, I think. Yeah, I think – Probably something else to factor in the equation was Johan Begerin uh, coming over from France yeah. and having his rights from you know the year before, essentially using that as a second potential placeholder. I'm not sure if he's going to come over, but I, 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 for what it's worth, I, I think I don't know this. Um, I would venture he probably stays overseas. Yeah, it, it, but I think that that's another you know back pocket card to have for next year, and they go through the same thing. So I, I think it's and, certainly a by smart the way, story. yeah. If I was if I was Boston, I would want to stay over there because I would want his clock to start one year later in terms of his free agents uh, in terms of his um, player control clock. Uh, he's, he's a little bit of a ways away still. I do think that like by the time he's 24, he'll probably actually be, if not an NBA player, like pretty close to an NBA player. But I 
would rather start that clock a little bit later if yeah. I was Boston. I would venture he probably stays overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is if you're Brooklyn here. Okay. You talked about Brown potentially being all indications Jalen Brown is very happy in Boston. Boston, I think, should feel better about retaining Jalen Brown long term than what Brooklyn should feel. If you're acquiring Jalen Brown, he only has two years left. You're Brooklyn. You're probably not in these next two years for a title if you move Kevin Durant. Because if you're moving Kevin Durant, I can't imagine they don't move Kyrie Irving. And then you probably are building around Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, X, Y, and Z, whatever else you get back, right? All the young guys, everything like that. So the thing is that if I'm Brooklyn – I actually need quite a bit more than Jalen Brown Mm. willing to move Kevin Durant because I think there are probably other teams out there like Toronto or like New Orleans or like, um, you know, maybe Miami, maybe whoever, right? And three team constructions, four team constructions where you pick up a bundle of long-term picks and you move Kevin Durant. To me, unless Boston is adding – bunch of first round picks I think I would just rather do something else other than that than just have Jalen Brown because I if it's only Jalen Brown like if it's Jalen Brown and three first round picks plus Derek White and all this other stuff then yeah sure like I think that's a great deal for Brooklyn and they should do it but if it's like Jalen Brown Derek White and one first round pick I'd rather just have all the like everyone's future drafts going out into the like you know perpetuity or whatever than that because I don't know that I could feel confident Jalen Brown would be staying in the window where I could be realistically building back to compete for a title. He might, and you know, you should consider that he'd end up staying and resigning and he gets very happy in Brooklyn, but you just don't know that either. And I feel like that's where it gets complicated. And this is why the entire negotiation just feels very – I think that hard to line up the incentives for Boston and Brooklyn to get to the same page on where they need to go within a deal like this. It's the catch 22 of the situation that Brooklyn has put themselves in after trading all of those picks to, to get hard. Um, and yeah. the, the difficulty is there's no incentive for them to tank right now because they don't own any of their own picks. And anytime you trade a player of the caliber of Kevin Durant to another team, you instantly make that team a front runner for a title. So the picks yep. from the team that you are trading with have very little value of getting you a young superstar cornerstone type of talent to build around. It's like you talked yep. about on the pod, I think a week ago or so with Fred Katz. It's not just how many picks you get, but it's the quality of those picks that you bring in. And that's really, really important here to consider for Brooklyn because it's not just about getting four Boston first round picks over the next five or six years. That only equates to probably a bunch of picks in the twenties. Is is that really enough to especially provide that security blanket? If Jalen Brown were to leave after two years and is Jalen enough with Kyrie, with Ben Simmons, with the rest of the pieces that they have to make them feel comfortable of saying, you know what, at least we're still going to be a playoff team and competitive over the next couple seasons. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Okay. Let's uh let's talk about Gigi Jackson because that's the uh that's the next thing I wanted to get to. Yeah. 
Gigi Jackson, for people who don't know, he is a six foot nine athletic forward. He was in the class of 2023 in terms of the recruiting class. He was committed to North Carolina. Over the last couple of months, some rumors had started to bubble up that he was going to decommit from North Carolina. You'd hear rumors within basketball circles of G League Ignite, of OTE, of a number of different potential options. One of those options ended up coming to fruition. Gigi Jackson has now reclassified into the 2022 NBA or 2022 recruiting class, which means he will be eligible as a person born in December 2004 for the 2023 NBA draft. He is headed to South Carolina, where he will play for new coach Lamont Paris. He's from South Carolina, and it's a fascinating situation. He's decided to decommit from North Carolina to go to South Carolina, which on its face seems a bit strange. I would imagine that there is some NIL uh, things happening behind the scenes that uh, made that an interesting proposition for him. Uh, I, I'm fascinated, but first... Before we dive into all this, like, where are you at on Gigi Jackson as a player? He is universally ranked in the top five of the recruiting class. Uh, and I get it, like, in terms of long-term potential impact, I think he is an awesome potential mismatch nightmare as a six-foot-nine guy with real fluid athleticism. He's, like, pretty strong and powerful in terms of the way he utilizes that athleticism. He's very functional in terms of being able to create his own shot. I have some questions about how it looks this year at South Carolina, but where are you on Gigi Jackson as a player? So I always start with guys and looking at their athleticism. Just when you're young, before you get to your senior year in high school, freshman year in college, I want to see more about the athleticism and see how you fit in or blend in a setting on an NBA type of court. And he is a freak athlete. He stands out with his size at about 6'8", 6'9", supreme length, great at getting into the open floor. I think he provides a lot of defensive punch for whatever team that he's on because he moves his feet well on the perimeter. He's got solid instincts as a help defender, but he can get and get to and make almost any play on the defensive end of the floor. Offensively, what I've seen from Jackson kind of from a skill perspective is like you talked about, decent touch on the inside, likes to mismatch guys, and is really comfortable at understanding who's guarding him. If it's a smaller guy, if he knows his advantage is going to be on the interior, he's not too proud to just go sit down on the block, catch the ball, you know, chin and check, be patient in the low post area, and then hit a floater or, or a hook shot. He's also you know, decent at taking guys off the bounce in straight lines. I think there's probably some other areas of his game to continue to clean up there. Uh, but Good open court uh, you know, ball handler as well, like can grab and go on the break and can create offense that way for sure. I, I think that the shooting is another part of this that just has to continue to come around. You know, there are some yeah. small mechanical things that you have to clean up, uh, some small feel things, because anytime you're going to be more of a front court guy at about six, nine, you need to be somewhat of a facilitator, a handoff guy, just make quick reads, get rid of the ball and let the next guy move to it. I'm not sold on the thought that he's going to be a primary type of option that's just yet a really, really good mismatch type of guy right now, really athletic and just is going to find ways to score in transition. But uh, I think that South Carolina, the, the coaching staff down there and the way that the rest of the roster is going to fit around him needs to be built around his strengths, which are let him play inside or outside based on who's defending him 
and really make sure you surround him with shooters so that the the spacing doesn't disappear in the half court. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting fit because on some level, I, I tend not to love new situations where they basically hand over the keys to a player for what will ostensibly be one season. Like Gigi Jackson's a one and done. Um, I can't. I can't imagine that he is going in there with any other expectation um, than being a one and done. He's talented. He's big. He's athletic. He's physical. Like everything that Adam said is accurate. Um, and you're a top five recruit in the class. Like there's just, that's the expectation for those guys. They're going to go in, they're going to be there for a year and they're going to go out. I think it's hard to build a culture in that way in the first year when you so strongly hand over the keys to someone like just a singular player and then that person's going to lead the player can be as incredible of a human being is whatever. And I have no indication Gigi Jackson is anything other than that. Um, he can be a great person. He can be all about the team. It's just hard because then the next year you're restarting essentially in terms of what your centerpiece is. And I can't imagine that Gigi Jackson is not going to be their centerpiece this year right. in terms of the way that they operate, especially on offense. Now, and they and they they almost have to feature him as the centerpiece for recruiting purposes long term. You talk yeah. about establishing a culture with their program. If they're going to establish a culture with top recruits and make sure that South Carolina is a name for that, you can't get a top five, top six guy in there the first year and not feature him in every single way possible. Totally, and I think that that's actually where South Carolina is going to derive the most value from this is long term. Uh, I want to talk some about like my this season concerns with Gigi Jackson um, in a second, but I think that this is a move. If you're South Carolina, you basically you have to do it because if it's on the table and you turn it down, then coaches in the state think that it's a bad idea, right? And then you don't get any respect there. Um, but because they did it and because they were able to facilitate a move like this. Uh, facilitate him being able to reclassify, staying in college. You know, that's something that coaches long term in South Carolina and around the South in general are going to notice and they're going to respect. And I would imagine that they're going to feature GD Jackson at a really high level, like Adam said, in large part because of that. I would venture that they derive more value from making this work long-term than they do this year from Gigi Jackson. And it's largely because, look, this isn't like the most talented team in the world. Like, let's be honest here. Like, Michi Jackson is going to be there. Uh, I'm sorry, Michi Johnson uh, from Ohio State is going to be their starting point guard, I would imagine. He was a backup at Ohio State, a very talented one that I thought, you know, had real upside. But, you know, a guy that probably enters and, you know, he'll make some mistakes. He's a little bit wild. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that goes. Uh, then they have Hayden Brown, a kid from the Citadel, who's like this weird kind of throwback player that like is a tough physical rebounder and likes to play like in the mid post and like on the block, but can also step out and shoot a little bit. And he's very skilled, great footwork, but like he does kind of tend to like to operate in the same areas that Gigi Jackson does. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know much about the rest of their recruiting class, but like this isn't a loaded roster by any stretch. Like this is, 
even with Gigi Jackson, like a bottom half of the SEC roster. And I can't expect anything. Like, I, I still would not even remotely suggest that they're an NCAA tournament team next year. Yeah, I mean, and if you're Lamont Paris, like that, that's probably a little bit hard to swallow, given that you just got this top five recruit. But nonetheless, like, it's a, um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Well, we've seen it plenty of times, even in the SEC, with Anthony Edwards being a top overall pick on a yeah. Georgia team. Ben Simmons several years ago with LSU. Like the, the SEC is really good and really athletic to the point where I think Jackson's game and style of play won't elevate South Carolina in ways that it might in a different league around the country. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point, too. That's a really, really good point. The league matters in this situation. We're going to get some great scouting and evaluation tape from G.G. Jackson this year because he is going to be forced to really use his skill and really think through things. And he's just young. Like, in his development, you can 17. see it on the court. Like, he, he is young. He is 17 years old, like Adam just said. Like, it is it, – it's – he's a bit more of a project than what you would think. I think he absolutely is deserving of being a top-five recruit when considering what he could be long-term and he, I think probably will be long-term and that's why he's going to be a 2023 NBA draft lottery pick. But I think this year it's going to be a bit more of a learning process for him than maybe you would expect from a top five recruit in a typical year because he's coming in a year early in his development. He didn't get a senior year. He's reclassifying. He is, like Adam said, the shooting has to come around. I think he has natural touch. It's just consistency right now that isn't really there on a day-to-day, you know, shot-by-shot basis. Um, like, you see it. Like, he takes these, like, little, like, mini hook shots kind of on the block. Like, he has he has real touch. Like, I'm not worried about any of this long-term. On top of it, I worry about him a little bit as a ball handler in tight spaces and a little bit as – a processor of the game, just given his youth, right? Like it's going to take, I think all of this is really going to take some time with Gigi Jackson. Um, I, I honestly kind of wondered if OTE like would have been an interesting like situation for him. But I also would imagine again, like, look, let's be real in the NIL era. This is a bidding process, right? Like schools are bidding against professional leagues. They're bidding against everyone. And, you know, I'm sure that there is an element of that here, but uh, you know, I, I will be I will be interested to track GG Jackson because I, I will I will have him in the lottery. I think long term, he because of his athleticism, his potential to create shots, his uh, ability to potentially defend at a really really high level. Um, it's hard to find guys that are this big, like six foot nine with great length, with real athleticism and like genuine skill level. It's just hard to find guys like this. Like even in the NBA, like Gigi is enormous and he's going to be a very successful long-term player. Uh, It's a great get for South Carolina, even if I have reservations about a lot of what this could look like this year. I I wouldn't jump out on Gigi Jackson based on him potentially being a bit more average this year than what people think based off of his recruiting status. But Um, I think he's going to be terrific long-term. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, and look, the SEC, for all that it's going to expose for him on the offensive end, because there are a lot of really good defensive teams, you know, Tennessee, always strong on that end of the floor. Auburn has a bunch of rim protectors. Kentucky and Arkansas, super, super athletic next year and have a ton of size and big wings that they can throw at him. For all of, of the struggles that may come for a South Carolina team or for Gigi Jackson in particular on the offensive end of the floor, his defense is really going to be able to show out going against other lottery prospects several yeah. times in league, you know, being able to to be that one guy that keeps them in a game. I, I think that the the SEC this year might have, you know, three, four, maybe five teams at the top and then a really crowded middle territory. And that's yeah. where he can kind of really carve out a, a role for himself as, as being somebody that impacts winning. I think it's a little bit overrated of a, a phrase to throw around for, for college basketball at times when we talk about that for draft prospects. But if he's going to do it, you know, win games and keep up with the middle of the pack there in the SEC, I think that if they finish 500 or above in league, that's a great testament to how impactful Jackson is on the defensive end. Yeah, I think that we should talk about the defense. Like, he is legit it's really good on defense. Like, he is a really, really good defender. He can slide his feet. He uses his length really well. I think he has really good weak side rim protection instincts as well. Um, he is going to be a really good defender in college, I think. As long I haven't seen motor really fail for him yet. Um, like, I, I haven't seen – look, I, I haven't seen enough, as much of him as, like, Eric Bossy and um, Travis Branham and wh- whoever else you want to talk about that, like, does great, great recruiting work. But from when I've seen him, I haven't seen the motor fail by any stretch. And when I've seen him, I've seen the defense be really, really high level uh, when it needs to be. Uh, he is someone that does have real potential on that end to be a difference maker in the college game. And because of that, even if the offense isn't quite as as polished, let's go with, as what it could be, uh, entering – what. Like, again, he's going to be an underage college player. That's fucking hard. Um, I do think his defense will be pretty valuable and pretty useful. Um, do you have anything else on this, Adam? No, I just uh, – for me, it's, it's continuing to hit home on the, the age side of things. Like, we're going to see him yeah. play conference games when he's 17 years old or just turning 18. Like, that's yep. ridiculous. Like, a lot of times we want everyone to come in and be a finished product when they come in with hype. If you are an elite prospect, that is not a guarantee that the first moment you step on a college court, you're ready to compete with 21, 22, or shit now, 23, 24, 25 year olds because of these extra years of COVID and everybody's a grad transfer. And uh, yeah. he he's going to take his lumps, but believe the long term athleticism, the trajectory of his defense. And if you can see enough growth and impact on the offensive end of the floor, he's definitely a lottery guy, if not higher. Trajection. That's a great new word. Projection. Yeah, the trajectory and projection of his defense. That there, is, is. there it is. We're, we're just ideating on the first uh, Adam Spinella <laughs> episode uh, of the Game Theory Podcast. So, uh, Spins, tell the people where they can find you. Tell the people where they can find your, your YouTube channel, your Substack, everything like that. Sure. Uh, so, follow me at, on Twitter at the box and one underscore or on our Substack, the box and one dot substack.com my youtube channel is under my real name adam spinella uh pumping out a bunch of college centric work doing some uh rising sophomores that we think are going to be breakout candidates over the next year or so as well as some film on aau and incoming guys and 
who knows, maybe something on Gigi Jackson over the next couple of weeks here. So, uh, you know, again, right. thanks for having me on. All right. So as mentioned in the first part of this episode, this is going to be uh, a little bit of a hiatus coming up for the podcast, mainly because I'm going on vacation. Um, I am taking two weeks off. I haven't had a two-week vacation in now three NBA seasons because of the way that the bubble worked. You know, we went back to back to back and that crazy sprint marathon, it was like both of them combined into one is finally over. So Laura and I are going to Bali. We're really excited. Um, We'll be back probably around August 14th or so. If you made me pick a date, bet on a date, I would guess that it'll be right around there, August 14th, August 15th in that range. Um, Even if like Kevin Durant gets traded, like I will not be podcasting. I will be by pool uh, reading and like having a drink for sure. So I appreciate everyone for listening. Really excited about Adam. Everyone, please wish Matt Penny a beautiful, beautiful uh, trek into his new uh, endeavor. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.